There are many reasons to detest Republican politicians. Personally, I can't stand it that they think I'm as stupid as they are. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. Mitch McConnell has been serving Kentucky as United States Senator since 1985. He is currently the most powerful Republican in the Senate and up until two years ago was majority leader. McConnell was reelected to a seventh term in 2020 with 57 percent of the vote. Now, one would think that's because his voters benefit by having such an influential representative in Washington serving them. But Kentucky, according to U.S. News and World Report, is currently the third unhealthiest state in America. It has the seventh worst economy, and 40 percent of its citizens are obese. Only an idiot would keep voting for Mitch McConnell. Asa Hutchinson is running for the Republican presidential nomination. Up until last year, Asa Hutchinson was the governor of Arkansas. Arkansas, according to U.S. News and World Report, is the second unhealthiest state in America. Judging by test scores, it also has the eighth worst public school system in America. Yet somehow the man who couldn't rescue Arkansas is going to save the Republican Party. Only a moron would vote for this moron. Nikki Haley is also running for the Republican presidential nomination. Up until 2017, Nikki Haley was the governor of South Carolina, which, by the way, currently has the seventh highest crime rate and 10th worst public school system in America. As governor, she gets an F. But the people who voted for Nikki Haley and will vote for her yet again are way too ignorant to know that there are grades besides an F that you can get on a report card. Republican Tim Scott has been in the Senate since 2013, 10 years. And recently, Tim Scott announced the creation of an exploratory committee so he, too, could run for the Republican presidential nomination. Like Nikki Haley, Tim Scott is from South Carolina, and he, too, has failed his constituents. You'd have to be a complete imbecile to vote for Tim Scott, which is why I'm absolutely certain that Tim Scott is voting for Tim Scott. In South Carolina, one out of five African-Americans live below the poverty line, while the median income for all of Senator Scott's constituents is $50,570 a year. His African-American constituents have a significantly lower median income of $32,175 a year. I would tell his voters to do the math, (laughs) but they can't. One would think that because Tim Scott is African-American, 
he would worry about black poverty. But Scott's a Republican, so he's doing exactly what he's supposed to for his community. Absolutely nothing. The secret to success for any African-American Republican candidate is to make it seem perfectly reasonable to blame black poverty on black people instead of systemic and structural racism. You must be stupid to believe that. And of course, racist. If you want to make it as an African-American in the Republican Party, then you emphasize personal responsibility in poor black communities to protect the personal irresponsibility in the rich white ones. Florida's governor, Republican Ron DeSantis, is also about to officially declare he's a candidate for president by highlighting his Florida blueprint for the rest of America, his Florida blueprint for the rest of America. By any measure, DeSantis's only blueprint is one for failure. There is not one single success story that Ron DeSantis can point to other than leading the nation in banned books and actually being a bigger menace to democracy and freedom than Donald J. Trump. DeSantis presents himself as a fighter waging war on the woke because he can't win the wars on crime, poverty, income inequality, or COVID. He demonizes the transgender community, passing laws demanding they go to the correct bathroom while his entire state falls into the toilet. Despite his claims of being tough on criminals, Florida has the sixth highest crime rate in America. Despite calling himself pro-life, Florida's infant mortality rate is worse than the national average. Despite Ron DeSantis's claims of being tough on drug dealers, Florida has the second highest number of drug overdoses. Florida is among the bottom 10 states in providing health care to children. It has the lowest vaccination rate in America. Florida ranks seventh in income inequality and has the 15th lowest median income. Florida workers pay more for health insurance than almost any other state. Florida ranks near the bottom when it comes to health care coverage, and it's at the top when it comes to high school dropouts. So why is Ron DeSantis so popular in Florida? Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret about the Sunshine State. You probably didn't know this because you rarely hear about Florida in the news, but it turns out Florida has a lot of incredibly stupid people living there. Now, I know this must come as a shock. I know all of you think of Florida as nothing but oranges and palm trees, but believe it or not, believe it or not, Florida has a lot of idiots living there, and I'm not just talking about the Trumps.
stupid people aren't the sole voters for Ron DeSantis, well, actually, they are. It's stupid people who vote for Ron DeSantis. Stupid people filled with nothing but hatred for humanity, including hatred for themselves, their wives, and alligator prostitutes that they have sex with. So, if you want to punish everyone, including yourself, DeSantis is your guy. And finally, we come to Donald Trump. People voted for Donald Trump because they thought the star of The Apprentice would know how to fix our economy. Like I said, stupid. Trump is stupid. His children are stupid. The people who vote for him are stupid. Donald Trump is an all-you-can-eat buffet of stupid. And yes, it's just that simple. As simple as the people who vote for Donald Trump. Stupid. More jobs were lost during the Trump administration than at any time since the height of the Great Depression under President Herbert Hoover, who, just like all the aforementioned, was a Republican. Meanwhile, there's a Democrat in the White House right now, and today they announced 253 jobs were added to our economy in April, dragging the unemployment rate down to 3.4%, the lowest since 1969. Wages in America are up 4.4% over last year. Granted, Americans need better jobs with much higher pay, but I can assure you that's never going to happen with Republicans in charge. And yet, with no record to run on, these idiot Republicans insist they have a record to run on. Only Republicans could think the rest of America is as stupid as they are. In other countries, stupid people are to be pitied. But thanks to gerrymandering and voter suppression here in America, stupid people are to be feared. Republicans are stupid. What are you, a Democrat or an moron? What are you, an moron? <laughs> I love that. What are you, an moron? Well, earlier today, I spoke with former President Donald Trump. Here are highlights from my interview. These people. When you say these people, the, the, these people, you know these people. They're disgusting. They're petty, David. A man is separated. He's arrested. He's separated. You're talking about the Democrats, the Democrat Party. Everyone you speak to, David. They're celebrating and enjoying you being separated from your family. From my family, from the woman I cheated on. Right. The daughter that I would cheat with. <laughs> yes. They're so mean. The Democrats, they have no mercy. They're so mean, David. They're so sad. They're so mean. 
I mean, what is worse when you think about it than separating uh, a family to 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 want to lock you up so you can't see your your kids again? Who would do something like that? Just terrible. They're so mean. They don't give charity, David. These people are just praying for me to for me to go to whatever hell you imagine, David. Right. You give charity. You gave. Didn't you instruct Michael Cohen? Yes. Thank you. I was trying to support single mothers. That's all. <laughs> Just trying to help single mothers support their children, David, by giving her $130,000. All they have to do is stay quiet. It's the easiest job in the world, David. Easiest job. David, I created so many jobs, so many jobs <laughs> for single women, mother porn stars, David. To, to be quiet. There's so much winning. These porn stars were winning, David. Winning like they'd never won before. And these people, these people want me to. There were these porn stars when you were running for president who were essentially crying to you about how unhappy their lives were. And you wanted to silence their tears. You, you, you were saying, hush, hush, my sweet darling. Hush, little porn star, don't you cry. Daddy's gonna keep you quiet as long as he can buy your silence. It's a beautiful song. Hush, little porn star's baby, don't have your nose be runny. Daddy's going to take care of it with $130,000 cash money. <laughs> I have a beautiful singing voice. I do. You do. A lot of people, some people don't say it, but a lot of people do say it. They say I have a beautiful singing voice. You know, I had an uncle in the singing business, David. Really? Not King Trump. <laughs> My uncle was Nat King Trump. It was a beautiful, his voice was like, it was like listening to, it was like listening to a sunset, David. Yeah. Mm. That, that was my interview with former President uh, Donald J. Trump. And again, I'm being handed a note that that is Smigel. I can assure you that is not Smigel. That is the 45th. President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. It always does. <laughs> okay. I, I think I figured out. I know what it is. Frank Conniff is here. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is incredible how long it's been since Frank Conniff has been on this show, considering he was the show. I, well, I mean, I think the last time I was on, it was back in the um, that distant time when we when we were in the same room in the same apartment doing yes. the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think you did it once on Zoom. Uh but uh, I've, I've come up with a reason you haven't been on. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. 
I'm mad at you and Andy Kindler and Eddie Pepitone. I just realized. Mystery Uh, guest. That's great uh, company to be in, to be grouped together with, to have people mad at us. And and I know that Kindler, some of the the best people in the world are mad at him. So it's uh, great. Or some of the some very prominent, famous people are mad at him. So it's an honor to be uh, together with him. We did a thing called Mystery Guest, where Andy, uh, it was Mystery Guest starring Andy Kindler, where I was the host. Uh-huh. You and Eddie Pepitone were the panelists. Uh-huh. And you had a guest who our mystery guest was, and it was always Andy Kindler. Right. And you would ask 20 questions and try to guess. Right. But, but, you, but I would keep saying, Andy Kindler, are you ready? Please welcome our mystery right. guest, Andy Kindler. And then we'd start the questioning. Mm-hmm. And it was the most annoying 45 minutes of podcasting anybody's ever done. All of you hated it. And I insisted this is our golden ticket. This is our. Wow. And it, it, and it worked out great. Didn't we <laughs> well, you won't do it we anymore. We went on to huge careers after that. But you were all mad at me. Uh-huh. For making you uh-huh. do it. And I thought it was so annoying. How could it not be a success? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's that's showbiz. That's the so that's why Frank hasn't been on the show. No, I don't. I don't know why. So what? What? what do you, why do you think you haven't been on the well, show? Well, um, I don't know why. But I do know that, uh, as you know, um, there was a time when I was huge in the world of podcasting, uh, of, of left wing podcasting specifically. Right. Uh, I was on your show. I was on the Young Turks. I was on the Jimmy Dore show. I, and then for several years, I was on Sirius XM with uh, John Fugelsang. And um, I've been canceled from all of those <laughs> I'm I don't make a big deal about it. I'm like one of the most canceled people in our culture. But I don't I don't raise a stink about it because I'm a little older. You know, I come from a different era. I come from the uh, McLean Stevenson era of being canceled. And <laughs> Hello, remember, Larry. But yes, McLean Stevenson was canceled every year back in the late 70s. And he never complained about it. He was just stoic, but he never said, oh, the woke mob doesn't want you to see Hello, Larry. You know, he didn't get into any of that. And so I'm, I'm kind of of that era where well, McLean, just, McLean Stevenson comes uh, from a long line of canceled people. Uh, yeah, of, of uh, anyone who had a show. Oh, and his um, uncle. Who was his uncle? Adley uh, Stevenson. Is that true? Yeah. Is oh, it, I never I never knew that he was. Yes. Uh, yes. To this to this moment. Wow. It, so they, the, the Stevensons are accustomed to rejection and they kind of. Yeah, they he was. Uh, Adlai Stevenson was canceled at least twice. And yes. Maybe you could say three times when he 1960 as well. So, yes. Yes. Uh, and your and father, his his sitcom didn't go that well either. Although Adley. Hello, Adley. Not a big hit. Do you know that he murdered somebody uh, as a kid? I did not know that. It's vaguely ringing a bell. Yeah, he acc- he and Lucille Ball's father accidentally shot somebody to death. But we wow! Did everybody just know each other? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
they did it randomly, Frank. It, it's uh, not like Lucille Ball's father uh, called uh, and said, do you have a uh, gun? I want to accidentally uh, shoot somebody today. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what you've been up to. You're going to be at the greatest comedy club in the world, Acme Comedy. Acme Comedy at the end of this month. With April. Josh Weinstein, who is a question on Jeopardy. Weinstein. And, yeah. yeah, a question on Jeopardy and one of the funniest people and uh, my fellow Mystery Science Theater alumnus. And um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you're going to do a little stand-up? Yes, we're both going to do stand-up. And, um, you know, I think we're going to get on stage together and just tag team it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's going to be fun. And you're also going to be working with Trace Blue. The yes, Mads are back. And how are you doing the Mads are back these days? We're doing it. Um, we were we were doing it. Uh, we were touring with it. Um, the pandemic um, put an end to that. And then we started doing it digitally once a month. And, it, and it's been a big success. Which now You've which been doing great. a lot of things digitally by yourself, as I understand. I'd rather not go into <laughs> things I do digitally by myself. That's not really. I thought I sent you that that was a forbidden topic okay. on tonight's show. So but you're doing uh, it. To, so if, if I wanted to come see the Mads are back, which yeah, is. Yeah, just uh, go. Um, it's going to be next. Uh, our next one is literally this coming Tuesday uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, go to. Uh, dumb-industries.com dumb-industries.com and get a ticket it's it's 10 bucks and we're doing uh this it's a special show because we're doing um a movie called teenage zombies which is as bad oh just about as bad as any movie we've ever done so it's a special event explain to people who don't know what mystery science theater 3000 is and what mads are back because it is uh, one of the more innovative comedy well it's um you know i mean a lot of people probably uh, saw or have heard of mystery science theater which we did on uh comedy central uh in the 90s um and uh, to show where um we'd show a, a a movie that we would describe as, as a cheesy movie um and um by people like ed wood or you know other directors of that ilk uh horror sci-fi films um, and we would uh, add commentary to them and react to what, what happened. And Trace Bilyeu, who was, he played Crow T Robot on the show and, and, and was the other mad scientist uh, with me on the show. Uh, he and I, for the last several years, um, have been doing uh, these live shows with just the two of us. And actually... Um, Appropriate that Barry Lynn was just here because our, our very first gig was at an atheist convention um, uh, in Memphis, like about, about, I don't know how many years ago, but, um, uh, and as Trace has said many times, so it, it was kind of a miracle that <laughs> happened there. I was thinking, how can you be an atheist in Memphis? You need all the help you can get. Uh, <laughs> So, and you have a, let's quickly talk about your book. I, well, I have a brand new book out called, um, it's a superhero story called Dark Apnea. <laughs> uh, Hold uh, it up there. Let me see that. That's great. Uh, Dark oh. Apnea. And um, he's a, uh, 
He's kind of like he's kind of a dark brooding um, superhero like Batman. And he, his superhero mask is a dark apnea. Uh, and what's his a sleep, a sleep apnea mask. And what's his superpower? His superpower is depression <laughs> and uh, just um, being miserable all the time. And it's That's, contagious. Uh, it's well, it's a little bit or or he maybe gets it from other people, too. But um, he's, uh, um, uh, you know, it, it's kind of it's uh, basically the novel is I'm basically giving Batman the get smart treatment. It, I see. It's, it's and how, how could we purchase such a book? That's you can also go to dumb dash industries dot com if you want an autographed copy that I will personally sign. And um, or you can go to Amazon. But I'd rather you go to dumb dash industries. And my my. Uh, before that, I wrote a children's novel called uh, Billy Gillis, Seven-Year-Old Screenwriter, which <laughs> I guess is topical now. And and this is another book of short stories I wrote called uh, You're Ruining the Dystopia for Everyone. <laughs> so, And I have this and a few other books are available. Um, so you're you turn out what, a book a year now? Probably about that. Yeah. And I've, do, I've done nine in the last like six years. Incredible. Years. What's your discipline? How do you do it? I just uh, I just uh, write every night and uh, I make realistic goals for myself and um, I just do it. And, and the only reason I do it is because I enjoy it. Right. And, um, you know, and uh, it's the only it's thing you enough. can. Con it's the only thing you can control. I can control it. And it's. Um, uh, it's my creativity is in charge of everything. There's no gatekeepers. There's no no one to tell me not to write something. And uh, and uh, but I think um, I think part of being prolific for me it has has come from the realization after years and years is that writing it, it really isn't that big a deal. You know what I mean? I mean people make such a huge deal out of it out of the struggle of it. And it, and it, and it does require a lot of effort, but, um, but it's something that I enjoy doing and I wouldn't, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. So you're on the side of the studios is what you're saying. <laughs> you're so I'm, I want, uh, I want to lower uh, the residuals for the six episodes a year you're doing. What is uh, the Netflix. smallest residual you've gotten? Um, you know, people, as you know, like people have stories about getting residuals for one cent. Yeah. And, and I but I've been I've been lucky. My, my residuals are at least the smallest ones are like in the 50 to 70 dollar range, because um, all of my residuals as a writer come from when I worked on Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Uh -huh. um, and I worked for four seasons on that. I have my name on 10 episodes. Oh, so. That's been like uh, a constant um, bonanza for me. I, although I don't get any bonanza residuals, <laughs> but, uh, but it's a it's a show that kids love and new generations keep watching. So it's right. never been off the air ever. So I, I've done I've done pretty good with that. That's fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's talk politics. You are no longer on the Jimmy Dore show. Uh, haven't been, no, not in a long time. Can I ask you some personal questions about that? Uh, you can ask them. I'll, I'll decide. Uh, are you still talking to him? 
Um, I've I've um, corresponded with him a couple of times. Uh, I, I haven't I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but it's it's not a situation of that we're not speaking. It's just that he's obviously um, very busy with uh, with what he's doing, and um, and he's he's always on the West Coast and. Um, Right. So uh, I, I didn't yeah. think you would have a a psychologically violent break with him. No, no. I, as far as I'm concerned, we're still friends. I haven't right. I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but I still consider him a friend. And, and I, I adore his wife. Stephanie uh, Zamorano. That's you know, that's what I miss the most. So about, there, yeah. You know, I, I and I have very. If we weren't friends anymore, it would be a really awful blow to me because uh, I, I have really great memories of doing his podcast and, and of hanging out with him and Steph. And right. uh, we had a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, there's some, you know, things change. And uh, I thought he was going to be a friend for life. He turned on me over nothing. And mm. Uh, and then I was relieved to find that that's a pattern, that that I'm not well, special. So, <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe, but um, uh, you know, he obviously politically he's he's gone way. We both we were already, um, uh, you know, he was a Bernie guy, I was a Hillary guy. So we were right. and when when I was on his show and we would have debates. I remember that. And stuff. Yeah, but. Um, uh, you know, since then, I think he's gone. Um, now you're too left for him. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, uh, some people consider me too centrist. You know, as you know, I, I run a uh, a Walter Mondale fan site on the dark web. So <laughs> I've, I've well, known for Was he a centrist? Me, he, I remember him being to the left was, of Carter. He, uh, probably he was. Hang yeah. on for one second. Let me just alert Jose. We're running 10 minutes behind. So I'm going to turn you off. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, that's rude. But I apologize. So uh, what do you make of Joe Biden? Because I would assume you're going to be an unapologetic supporter. You're, I would assume you think... He's the best we can get, considering what at, the situation is in Washington. At this moment, obviously, I think he's the best we can get um, just because of this. I think we continue as we were in 2016 and 2020. And now the country's in an emergency situation where uh, uh, um, a group of um, uh racist, uh, homophobic, um, transphobic, uh, fascists are in control of one party and the other party are the Republicans. <laughs> there you go. Set that one up for you. Uh, no, the, the other party are the Democrats who, um, you know, who have who have decent people in them. And I think Joe Biden is a, is a genuinely decent person. I don't agree with everything that he does, but it's like I said, it's 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 an emergency. So it has to be him, you know, and, and, and I just am, am, am practical about that. Right. You know, right. Let me I ask you a couple of questions about that. Sure. Sure. Why do you hate America? 
Well, first of all, uh, I, I went to England last year, and man, I loved it there. Yeah. But, uh, do we need um, a Do we need a king? I was. We have the coronation coming up, uh-huh. and I know that it's a symbol for colonialism and genocide, and that all the jewels are blood. Jules. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. But other a, than that, <laughs> I mean, the, to me, aside from the issues of the monarchy and colonialism and all those awful things, to me, it just comes down to the basic fact that Charles is a gigantic dipshit. And <laughs> shouldn't be uh, praised or, or given honors on any level. So are you fascinated by the royal family? Because I am. I, I'm I, not. I, I have am. to, even though like. <clears throat> I, I, did, I have watched every episode of The Crown, but um, but but that show fascinates me because I find it very compelling. And yet I, I don't care about any of the characters on the show. I'm never rooting for anybody um, yet. It's an entertaining show. So I watch it. But the, the royal family um, is uh, uh, not not of interest to me. I, I don't even I'm not even familiar with. Um, that show suits that Megan was on. I've never right. even seen an episode of that. So how can I be an expert on the royal family? Do you think we would be better off with something resembling a royal family so that our president is more like a prime minister and doesn't do the ceremonial stuff, rolls up his sleeves and works for the American people? Well, that the way you just said it, that sounds pretty great. You know, I mean... Um, I, I actually, for most of my life, I was always uh, a person who never thought I, I'd want to live anyplace else by Amer- but America. But lately, it, it kind of seems attractive to me to live in, I don't know which country, but because um, they all have their serious problems. And, and some of the people in government in England are, are you know, as bad as anybody. But uh, um, are we a cancer on the world? Um, probably. Yeah. Um, are, are, and, well, and, 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 you know, let's just hope it doesn't turn into a TV movie about us. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm America as fast as I can, I believe is, mm. oh no, that's about drinking. That's right. <laughs> oh, is that, that journalist? Anyway, so what do we do right? What, what does this country do Right. Um, we don't, in terms don't of foreign we, aid, we make, uh, we make great culture, I think is, would be at the top of the list. We used to, we make, we make great music. We make, we used great, to, Oh, I think we still do. And, um, and everyone in the rest of the world just want, is influenced by, by our culture. Isn't South and, Korea surpassing us culturally? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not familiar enough. I do, um, watch some South Korean TV shows now. So um, and, and I don't, Extraordinary Attorney Woo is one of my favorite shows. That's a South Korean show. But um, um, but but I think even like from what little I know of like K-pop, which is like a big thing, that's all influenced by American pop music. You know, I mean, um, but it's but it, it kind of all of our great culture, whether it's music or movies or literature, it all or theater or whatever, it all comes from oppression. You know, it's all a response to to that. So 
Um, so that's like a double-edged thing too, that we right. have great culture, you know, we have the greatest music um, in the history of the world, but it, it's it's because we, we, we imprisoned all these people and made them come to our country, you know? Right, right. So unemployment is the lowest it's been since 1969. Not in this household. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Biden created 250,000 new jobs. They keep in April, they keep talking about this recession that isn't coming. But I don't know if we can trust the numbers. Are things yeah, as, I don't know. Are, are things as bad as people say they are? Uh, you know, if you don't have Medicare for all and 30 percent of your income is going towards rent and 70 percent either for food, insulin or health care. Uh, how can these be considered good times? Is um, I, you, you make a really strong case. All of those things are true. And um um, however good things might be, um, they're not, they could be much better. And the reasons they're not much better is is because because of our government. You know, our I mean, government, or is it is it the Republican Party? Well, it's fault? the Republican Party, but it, but um, yeah, it is the Republican Party's fault. But you know, um, and and Demo you know, I'm a Democrat, but you know, we have. There are Democrats like Dick Durbin, you know, who's who just keeps saying we, we can only keep telling when are you going to fix the Supreme Court? And he's like, oh, well, we'll wait to see what John Roberts does. You know, there's always been that element in the in the Democratic Party um, of uh, of just go along and get along and um, and compromise. And Joe Biden, in many ways, was the was the. Um, epitome of that but I, but I think he's he's improved over the years and uh, you know one thing I'll say about um, like um, like Bernie running um, and the whole movement of of I, I think the one positive thing even if you're a Bernie supporter and he didn't win but it, I feel like the Democrats are more more to the left than they they are than they used to be you know. And that's it, it felt like that during Biden's first year in office. Mm -hmm. But Manchin became and cinema became the, the fall guy who you blame for everything. You know, I was looking at a comparison of states, West Virginia, which Joe Manchin represents. Uh, it is I'm not attacking the people of West Virginia. But they are at the bottom in everything. Health care, median income, uh, education, life expectancy, drug overdoses. They are the they are 50th in everything. And their senator is telling us that government spending causes inflation even though Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, who was appointed by Trump, is saying inflation has nothing to do with government spending. You've got this criminal Joe Manchin holding up Build Back Better, the Democratic right. agenda. He's not serving. He's he's 
literally killing his own people through his policies. And I can't help but think this is the Democratic Party's fault for a la for not metaphorically throwing him up against the wall and saying, listen, MFR, you either vote the way we tell you or your daughter's going to prison because his daughter is guilty of price fixing for her, uh, something with the EpiPen. We've oh, talked about this. I thought I thought you were going to be like, put him up and say, listen, MFR, if you ever want to see your daughter alive again, you'd better, you know. Well, you know, we're you go. I'm in charge of the Justice Department. There's prosecutorial discretion. Mm -hmm. This is what Lyndon Johnson would do. You're going to pass the in Inflation Reduction Act as build back better the way Bernie wants it, or your daughter's going to prison for price fixing. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And suddenly, Joe Manchin serves the people who elected him. Well, that that sounds good to me. Uh, they, uh, you know. That, that is an aspect of the Democratic Party where they're uh, Joe Manchin, I think, is I mean, uh, Joe Biden has referred to Manchin as his friend. And, you know, and it's all about, oh, we all have disagreements, but, you know, uh, we're going to try to work it out. And it, it's it's very frustrating and very maddening. That what would happen if this Democratic Party and you, you're a centrist, how, how far to the left would you be willing to see the Democratic Party go? Um, uh, very far to the left. I mean, if you uh, if the like, Republican, you know, if Medicare for all is is far to the left, then. But that's the thing. It's not far to the left. It's something that everybody would love. It would be an incredibly popular thing. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I think that's why calling me a centrist or or, or, or calling that far left it's not even an accurate label but but these labels um they they catch on and and um but but i you know I, I would love to see the democratic party go as far left as it can go uh and so is the problem or the, the disagreement within the party over you know what it is and and as an old person i hate to say this but it's old people it's it's our generation. And listen, I survived a heart attack. I don't want to die. But our generation has to die off. That's that's that that's something that, that would help a lot, you know, because they're all from this previous world that, uh, you know, that's that's gone away. But they act like it's still the 1970s or the 1980s. You know, the Senate just had this ridiculous Senate hearing on TikTok, you know, like like it's it's this horrible thing and, and this scourge to the world. And, and, you know, meanwhile, like there's a million people doing great things on TikTok. TikTok if they ban TikTok, which Democrats and Republicans are, are leaning towards that, they would be it would be a huge cultural crime. But you got to admit, the CEO of TikTok, when he testified, was pretty offensive when he opened up with, hey, guys. I didn't, I <laughs> well, didn't hey see guys. that because he, he didn't make a TikTok about that. So I didn't see that. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but my point is, is that my generation really has screwed things up a lot. And a lot of us are still around, you know. And, and you know, when you see the all those kids in Kentucky 
um, protesting. Yes. And and it's it's kind of hopeful and inspiring. And, and I have a feeling like this uh, younger generation, uh, the kids today with their crazy music and their hula hoops and fax machines, th- this uh, newer generation, they've had to deal with shit that we never had to deal with. They have to to do with like mass shootings as a, as a reality in their life. Like I'm hopeful that that if they get involved and if they vote, um, they're going to wash a lot of this away. But it's really, you know, it's it's really old people like me who have screwed right. everything up. Well, I mean, I missed Vietnam by a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say I don't want to compare generations, uh-huh. but uh, I don't know. Old people, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, OSHA. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we did do do those those good things. But um, I think that I yeah. think I think what you need to do is shut it all down. Like mm-hmm. Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Confidential, where he says, Never shut seen it. it. He walks in and goes, shut it down, shut it all down. Somebody, you know, the railroad strike should have happened and they, there should have been no Christmas. And we should have won that war. I know you're on my side on mm-hmm. the war on Christmas. There should have been no Christmas. The railroads are on strike. We're going without for yeah, the railway. But, you know, nobody is willing to sacrifice anything ever. You know, people didn't even want to take a take, People didn't want to put a, a piece of cloth over their face. They considered that the most oppressive thing since Anne Frank, you know. Right. So um, people. Who should have? <laughs> I want <laughs> I would have made her just more. No, 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 no. I, not the, ten years ago when we used to do this show, I would have done Anne Frank jokes. The country yeah. has changed. Right. And uh, so no Anne Frank jokes. There's, oh, okay. there is, we could probably do a greatest hits of an hour on this podcast of my trivializing the Holocaust. But that what was about before. the uh, the hour we did of Danny Thomas jokes. Remember that? We, we did. did entire hour. We did. If people want to go and search through the archives, it's all free. We did an entire hour of jokes about coffee tables and Danny Thomas, which is why I have to now plug St. Jude's. Yes, and which is why that is probably as offensive as Anne Frank, because Danny Thomas is one of the great humanitarians of all time. Yes. So if you have five dollars, give it to St. Jude's Hospital. Yeah, I, that's the promise I made to God. Anytime somebody as does you, a Danny as Thomas, up, as you looked up through the glass <laughs> and prayed. All right, before you go, we'll plug the books mm-hmm. once again because we're running behind schedule. Let me ask you, in front of everybody, would you agree to do mystery guest if I could get Eddie Pepitone? and Andy Kindler on board. There's nothing involving Andy Kindler and Eddie Pepitone that I wouldn't agree to do. Okay, was it as bad as I was told? I was told by Alex, who was producing the show at the time, Uh that the three of you were infuriated Mm -hmm. by mystery guest. I I don't remember uh, being infuriated by it. That you you didn't think it was fun? Um... I, I don't know. I, I'd have to uh, 
revisit that. But if, you, if Eddie, but if Eddie Pepitone and Andy Kindler are there, I'm there. That's all do, there is. Do you it. think there's a potential before you go uh, in a weekly? Because this is what I pitched to Alex mm-hmm. and I didn't hear back. And I was all in on this like two weeks ago. I think we could actually get like Audible or somebody to fund a podcast where you and Eddie Pepitone and maybe a celebrity, not that you're not celebrities, but we're not (laughs) where every week Andy Kindler is our mystery guest. And it's called Mystery Guest with Andy Kindler. Mm-hmm. I host it. You and Eddie Pepitone are the panelists, along with, uh, you know, a rotating seat. And Andy Kindler is always the mystery guest. We do a little small talk with Andy before we start the questioning. And you each <laughs> have 20 questions. I thought it was the most annoying podcast I've ever done. I, and I think and that's that, a high bar. <laughs> I know. Would, if would would if I could talk Eddie and Andy into it, would you agree to it? If you can talk them into it, yes, I would agree to it. If you can talk them into it, it would be called Mystery Guest with Andy Kindler. Uh-huh. And each week he would be the mystery guest. Uh-huh. I think I'm telling you, we can make tens of dollars. So let's plug away. You're at Acme Comedy Club. Acme Comedy Club, uh, May 31st. I recorded my comedy album there. Oh, cool. Best audience. Minneapolis, best audiences. Yeah, it's a great club. Acme, and Lewis and, Lee. Um, I love Lewis Lee. He's the greatest. And he's the, the great. next Mads are back uh, show is this Tuesday. Go to dumb-industries.com. $10 a ticket. It's a really fun show. It's a great entertainment value my new novel dark apnea you can get there and my other and my other books are available as well and they are um they are fun i've been told by people who've read them they're very funny enjoyable fun reads if that's what you're looking for thank you frank conniff stay with me for one second before you go thank you You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump.